awesome even if our timing wasn't <laughs>
That's about how long their attention span was. <laughs> what was that number? 119. <clears throat> Oh my, do I know this one? Do you know this one? All right, I'll let you lead it out. Five hundred fifty seven. Yes. 
Five hundred twenty. Different one. That's fine. Yes, that would be the one, I think. Yeah, this would be the one that we know.
good old ones going here today. <laughs> 202. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Seven, I believe, is the tune that we know, 807.
is a very uh, good song with a great message. There's one word in this song, though, that I believe the writer got wrong. I'm not trying to nitpick on, on anything, but I think it's worth pointing out. One word in this song that I think he got wrong. Anyone have any idea what that is? We just sang it in the last verse. Grace to cover all my sin. Where are your sins if you're a child of God? They're not covered. They're removed. They are removed. I thought that was worth pointing out. I think the message of the song is... Is still the same, but I think it's it's a very important distinction to know. In the, you know, in the Old Testament, their their sins were covered by the blood. Our sins are not covered by the blood of Jesus; they're washed away by the blood of Jesus. It's a very very important distinction, I believe, for the life of a believer. Did I hear someone with a selection? Six forty-eight. <clears throat> And up for Jesus goes right along with the song that Phil started us out with. standing up for Jesus. How about the rest of you? <laughs> stand up, stand up for
Thanks for standing for Jesus. You're welcome to be seated for Jesus as well. Anyone else? 800. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. We don't have our uh, normal uh, teacher, singer, singers for the children, but I figure we'll do one song for you guys. You can come up here and help me sing it if you want to. Tiffany, Caden, Sherry, do you want to come up here and sing Jesus Loves Me? It's number 1014 in our book. You did. So come up here and help us sing Jesus Loves Me. And this will be our last one then. You gonna help me sing Jesus Love Me? All right. Jesus loves me.
Thank you, kids, for helping us sing that song. Well, I'll have to see if it's a song that I know. Maybe we can sing it later, okay? Um, kids, you can go back. Uh, maybe next time. Um, since it was a little bit of a shorter uh, kids' time Let's do something a little bit different. Let's just take about a five-minute break, and the kids can stretch their legs a little bit, and the rest of you can go back and get coffee and that kind of thing. So let's take about five or ten minutes and say hello to your neighbor, and uh, we'll come back, and then Phil will have the message for us. Hello, hello. There we go. All right, can we all move back in? Come on in, take our seats. Let's gather back in here again. Slowly get everybody back in their seats. Thank you all for being here this morning. It is a smaller group than uh, what we have sometimes, but thank each and every one of you for coming and uh, spending this time together. Thank you to whoever brought the donuts. The kids are thankful. <laughs> A few announcements before we uh, move on here. If you haven't got a uh, bulletin, there's some in the back on that table. We have some announcements written in there. I think people have found the coffee and tea and water and donuts, so I don't think I need to announce that again. On February 17th, which that is, that's not, is that this coming Wednesday night? In two weeks. Not this coming Wednesday night, but the next. We will be having a Bible study and prayer here. That's something that we're going to start this year doing uh, monthly, which would be the third Wednesday night, generally, or the third week of the month is when we'll uh, be having that uh, Bible study here at 6.30 p.m. So it's for anybody, everybody, adults, kids, men, women, friends, relatives, neighbors. Feel free to invite everybody and uh, come and have a prayer and Bible study time. So, uh, and as usual, we'll have our fellowship meal afterwards. So let's stay and enjoy the fellowship and uh, 
turn the time over to Phil. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time that we have together. Thank you for each one that is here. And I pray for those of our friends and family who would normally be here but are traveling today or going for various reasons, those that are in Florida. Father, I pray that you would protect them, bless them where they are, and speak to them this morning as well, fill their lives with your love and your grace. I pray that you would speak to us here, that uh, you would speak your words through Brother Phil and, and help us to have open hearts and minds to receive the truth of your word here this morning. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Okay. The Gospel of John, chapter 6. We find ourselves at a place where Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples... And he shared some truth with them they had never heard before. He shared with them that the manna from heaven that they had heard the stories of when their fathers, great-great-grandfathers had walked through the wilderness, that God had fed them was just a temporary manna, angel's food. But the real food was himself. He was, is the bread of life. And many, when they heard that, they couldn't swallow it. It was too much. They said, what? Are we supposed to start eating your flesh, biting? You know, we teach our kids, don't bite each other. There's no profit in biting each other, right? We're not that delicious. They couldn't understand what Jesus was saying when Jesus said to them, In verse 53, Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. They were like, what? Now this guy's teaching us to be cannibals? You know what a cannibal is? It's a person who eats another person. I met a guy like that one day. Well, I didn't meet him too close. I've seen him off in a distance down in the canyon of Mexico. The guy that I was with said, stay away from that guy. He's crazy. He eats people. I don't know if he did or not, but it's scary. Kind of sounded scary to me. Jesus, was he teaching cannibalism? You can't be one of his disciples unless you actually eat his physical body? No. We know that isn't true. What he was teaching was this truth that he went on to say after many left him. In verse 64, or verse, we'll begin in verse 59. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to this? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then, if you should behold the Son of Man ascending up where he was before? 
What are you going to do then? When you see this Jesus in a physical body ascend up into the sky and you won't see him with your physical eyes anymore, what will you do then? Jesus was asking them. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Jesus was teaching them that it's not my flesh, my physical body that profits you anything. I'm speaking about the words, the truth that I'm telling you. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life, he later said in John 14. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. And I want to point out this difference to encourage every one of us who are children of God. And if you are here and are not born of the spirit, I hope that you will again look in a fresh way what is really important in life and what is not. And what Jesus came to do for you and I, that is of utmost importance. Sometimes as God's children, though we are born of the Spirit and we know this truth, we get distracted in a busy world. We get distracted with the lust of our flesh, that which we feel and see and hear from the real truth. What really matters, our spirit. And the health of our spirit, our inner man. So today, I would like to renew our focus with these words. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. And so what Jesus was saying when he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. He was saying that unless you take the words that I speak to you and you eat them, you take them into your inner man and they become a part of you. That's what happens to food when we eat it, right? Where's your donut, Alma? Now it's a part of you. I don't see your donut, but it became a part of her body. It became immersed into her body. The donut has disappeared. This is the same with the Word of God. Now, she's experiencing a little sugar high that she needs right now. That's good. And the rest of you who had donuts are too. It's becoming a part of you. Your body is experiencing the power of the donut. When you eat Jesus' words, they become a part of your inner man just like that. They empower you. They give you spiritual life that's what they do when you eat them now unfortunately many read this book and they never eat the words they read they never take them into their inner man and absorb them where it becomes their life it becomes what they do it becomes what they look at. It dictates what they hear. 
it becomes what they speak, it becomes a part of them, flesh and blood. And if Jesus' words have never done that for you, you've never eaten them this way in your inner man, then you have no life in you. You are dead in your sins. And in, you are dead towards God and towards his living word. You need to be born again. You need to be born of the spirit of the living God. Ephesians 2 says you need to be made alive to God through the power of these words. You see, these words are spirit and they are life. Just like a grain of wheat or corn has in itself the life to reproduce. And so when you bury it into the dirt and you give it some water and some sunshine and some time, you know what's going to happen, right? A corn, a, a stalk of corn is going to appear and it's going to grow. It's going to multiply. It has the life in itself. So do the words of Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus said, love your enemy, do you know how to do that? When Jesus said, pray for them who treat you awfully, who say awful things about you, pray for them. When Jesus said, when men call you evil because you love me and you don't do what they do, so they begin to call you evil, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Do you do that? How do you do that? You do that through the power of the spiritual living word of God. And I want to share that with you today. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Absolutely nothing. So why do you act and follow the flesh? Why do we as children of God still live according to the flesh? It profits us zero. Why do we still do things which make us no profit? If we continue to live that way, we become spiritually bankrupt. You know what that is? Bankrupt means you have no money. In fact, worse than that, you go into debt. And so you live the life of a debtor. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs, the borrower is a servant to the lender. You know that's true, right? You go and borrow money from someone, and there's something inside of you, in your mind, that you know you owe that person that money. And if that person is exacting and is requiring payment from you every month, you've got to give him that money. And if you don't, well, you are his servant. You're his servant until the debt is paid off. Do you owe the flesh, your flesh, anything? 
Do you? Maybe you do. And you need to be set free from that debt that you owe your flesh. Jesus came to do exactly that. Jesus said in verse 64, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe, who it was that would betray him, namely Judas. And he was saying, for this reason I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him from the Father. As God's children, we know that granting, right? Brother Mike was sharing a bit of his testimony yesterday morning with Tim and I as we were praying together here. And I was struck again, Brother Mike, how that God the Father had granted you that way of life. And it reminded me exactly the same way that God still grants to me the way of life. You can't come up with it on your own. Your own ideas will not lead you to become like Jesus Christ. Your own ideas do not have within them life. Only Jesus' words do. And there's a big difference. And unfortunately, when you and I live by our own ideas, we live according to our flesh. And it bankrupts us towards God. It produces a pride in us thinking, I can come to God anytime I want. I just don't want right now. I'm going to do a little bit what I want to do right now. When I have time, when I want to, or like Festus, or was it Felix, the governor, said to Apostle Paul, at a convenient time, I'll listen some more, and maybe then I'll become a Christian. At a convenient time, there won't be a convenient time, not for anyone. The cross of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the living God, is not convenient to our flesh. It never will be. The flesh profits nothing. Therefore, since your flesh profits you nothing, you must be set free from the power of that flesh. Be enslaved to it no longer. That's the only time you and I truly begin to profit. To get gain with God. An inheritance from God. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus therefore was saying to those Jews who had believed him. If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's offspring, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you shall become free? Are you a slave today? Are you a slave? Are you like these people said, I've never been a slave to anyone? Have you? If you sit here and say, you have never been a slave to anyone, you are a slave. And you don't know it. Just like them. Let me continue to see, read to you what Jesus said. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone, everyone 
No exceptions. Everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Have you sinned? And you have been a slave. Or still are a slave. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. If therefore the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. We're speaking about being set free from the flesh and its lusts from sin. And being made free where we owe the flesh nothing anymore. In Romans chapter 6, the Holy Spirit speaks expressly, distinctly of this truth to us. Turn your Bibles with me, if you have a Bible, and can turn there to Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? He's speaking of God's divine influence on our hearts. May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be abolished, is the word in some translations, might be done away with, that we should no longer be what? Slaves to sin. This is what Jesus came to do for everyone. To set us free from slavery to sin. Now, we don't use the word flesh in our everyday English anymore. We don't go to see the doctor and the doctor says, Your flesh is sick. Right? Has the doctor ever called you that? Said your flesh is sick? No, he doesn't. We talk about our body, our physical body, and what it needs or what it doesn't need. Hence, I want to encourage you with these words. I'm not speaking to you about your physical body in itself. When we speak of the flesh, we're speaking about our old man. The person who was born into this body. There's an inner man that each of us were born into a physical body with. And that inner man is sinful. It enjoys sin. It is a slave to sin. Why do you think children never need to be taught to lie? 
Has any parent ever taught his children to say a lie? No, right? Parents, good parents, even unchristian good parents, teach their children it's bad to lie. Children grow up lying. Children also grow up being mean, being getting angry, stealing toys or candy. All of this stuff that is called sin, we are born as a slave to it. We do it because we enjoy it. We get a high out of making others miserable, right? What do you think a little toddler who can't even walk yet will crawl across the floor when he sees another one with a toy over there and he crawls across and he grabs the toy and he steals the toy? And the other toddler feels wonderful about it, right? <laughs> no, he doesn't, right? <laughs> Wah! That's my toy. Maybe he grabs it and there's a tug of war. We're born slaves to sin. All of us are. And it's this sin that continues to enslave us unless Jesus sets us free. There is no other hope or message of freedom outside of the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only person in the universe and in the history and the future of men that can actually set you and I free from being a slave to sin. That's what he came to do. You'll notice this prophecy in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus quoted Isaiah chapter 61 and he stood up in the synagogue and he began to teach them. In verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and everybody looked at him. And then Jesus said, today this prophecy is fulfilled in your ears. Right here. I am he. Dear child of God, dear Believer, dear unbeliever, this truth is still true today. Today, he came to set the captives free. That we no longer should be slaves to sin. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Holy Spirit is telling the church at Corinth, though they were Christians... They were slaves in certain areas, in many areas. Slaves to sin. 
to selfishness, to pride, to arrogance. They were suing each other, taking each other to court. And they, were, they had all kinds of sin issues in their human relationships with each other and in their relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is saying to them in chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or 17, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Have you ever counted how many times somebody has sinned against you? Now, that's it. I had it. This is the third time you did this to me today. I won't stand for it anymore. You ever had that feeling? Those thoughts? Maybe you were just driving down the road and your day was going well. And someone just cuts you off. Pulls out right in front of you. And then slams the brakes. And then takes off. Okay. You know, as they say, as they teach us in class when we go to get our driver's license, just say, be my guest. Be my guest. It's okay. That's how they teach you to deal with what they call road rage. All right. First time's okay. What is that same car? Ten minutes later, somehow you lost track of it. Here it comes. Woo! And you're just going along. Boom! Right over in front of you. Slams the brakes. You almost hit them. Boom! Takes off. Be my guest. Be my guest. Okay. What if they do it again five minutes later? How are you with that? What happens to you? You start getting angry? Now that's it! Not going to put up with this anymore. Are you then a slave to sin? Or are you set free from that spirit of anger and revenge that wants to just engulf you and your thoughts? That will test whether you are a slave or whether you've been set free in Jesus Christ. Jesus said to us in Matthew chapter 18, Peter said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother if he sins against me seven times a day? Shall I forgive him seven times? Now, the number seven in the Old Testament in particular is a number of completion with God. If, you, if the seventh day God rested, and you can go through the scriptures and see the number seven is like a number of, that's it with God. It's complete. So I think Peter probably thought, I'm being pretty spiritual. Jesus is probably going to say, yep, Peter, you got it. What did Jesus say to him? That's right, Lucas. No, Peter, not seven times. I say to you, 70 
times seven. How many times is that? 490 times a day. In another place, Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in a day? Now, we have lights and electricity, so we don't notice the 12 hours. But if you don't have any electricity and it gets dark and you have to light a candle, you'll realize it's no more daytime. Daylight has been gone. And so Jesus, in that context, was talking about 12 hours. 490 times in 12 hours. Do you know how often that is? Have you done the math? Someone tell me. It's about every minute and a half. Just over a minute. Are you kidding me? You're going to sin against me about every minute for 12 hours. And you expect me to forgive you? Be my guest. It's okay. I forgive you. Have you ever done that? Maybe you are a slave to sin. Maybe you are a slave to your flesh. The anger that rises up within you when someone sins against you or spills your water cup. And that's it. Mama had enough. You spilled it three times on my carpet. Mmm. I'm saying these things, dear brothers and sisters, to reveal to you that you might still be a slave to your flesh. And no matter how hard you try, you cannot set yourself free. Only the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, only His love and dwelling within you, the Holy Spirit filling you with that kind of love for another person can give you the freedom to love like that. Can give you the freedom to be wronged every minute for 12 hours and be okay with it. Forgive from your heart. That's what you call an exercise, a marathon of forgiveness from the heart. Jesus did that and does that to you and I. If that's his standard to us, the Bible tells us in Psalm 4 that God never sleeps. The Lord doesn't slumber or sleep. That means he's awake 24-7. So in case you think the standard is high for us who live in 12-hour days, God does it for 24 hours every second 60 more times a minute than you do, and twice as long. He forgives us every second of even a thought of pride, a thought of anger, a thought of unloving attitudes towards someone, a word that didn't minister grace to someone. Jesus is standing and making intercession for you and I every second. So don't think you've even become near like Jesus yet. Even if you meet the standard, the human standard of his love is way, way less than his.
Do you see how blind we are to our own sin? Do you see how corrupt and enslaved we are to our flesh? Dear brother, sister, we need this message of freedom. We need to be set free by Jesus Christ. And that's what he came to do. And that's what he will do for you and I, every one of us. He has done this for us. Verse 7 of Romans chapter 6, For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your body that you should obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. You are not under the law, but under grace. And that being under God's divine influence over your heart is the only thing that sets us free from sin. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And dear brother, sister, you know this glorious freedom. You know it. When you experience the authority, the right to forgive someone 490 times in 12 hours. You know you have an authority in your life, a spiritual authority to look that person in the eye and forgive them from your heart. You know it doesn't come from your own head. It came from above. It comes from your Father in heaven. That's an awesome experience when you know you have died to sin because Christ already made this available to all of us. You see, we were all in debt. We're born enslaved to sin like I illustrated those children. We're still slaves to sin unless Jesus comes and says, follow me. And we are able to follow him in our spirit and take his words and eat them. That will empower us to live free from that power of sin. And we have the right to become the sons of God. Jesus did this on the cross. Verse 21 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
Jesus took this body of sin that we were all enslaved with, and he took that and he nailed it to his cross. And when Jesus nailed that sin to his cross and died, and then three days later rose again through the power of God, something happened to man between man and God. The yoke of slavery was broken. Now we don't need to be slaves anymore. This was the greatest proclamation of emancipation the world has ever heard. On January 1st, 1863, I think it was, President Abraham Lincoln made a proclamation and he wrote it down. And the Civil War was still raging. Men were killing each other and shooting each other on the battlefields of Pennsylvania, Virginia, Tennessee. Over the right to tell someone, here's some money. And for that money, this guy is my slave. And he will do exactly what I tell him to do. He's not his own. I purchased him with money. And from this day on, you're going to do exactly what I tell you to do every time I tell you to do it. And I get the right to treat you any way I want. And you don't have a right to anything. You are my slave. Hundreds of thousands of people were slaves. And President Abraham Lincoln stood up and made this proclamation that from now on, from this day forward, January 1st, 1863, anyone who owns another person as a slave is committing sin against the country of the United States of America. It's illegal to own another person as your slave from this day forward. A lot of people didn't agree with that. So they killed for it. However, it became the law of the land. And today we read our history and we celebrate that proclamation, right? But do you know how many people after that proclamation for many, many years, over a hundred years in fact, still treated other people because of the color of their skin differently than they did others. They treated them like slaves. Had it actually, did Abraham Lincoln's proclamation set anyone free? No, it really didn't. It did have an effect by the law of the land. But to this day, we still live a life of slavery. Many people are still slaves to others because they're indebted to them. They owe them money. Slavery has not gone away. And so it is spiritually. 
That day on the cross at the consummation of the ages, the Hebrew writer tells us, there was a day appointed in the consummation of the ages where the God of heaven himself hung on a cross and he died so that all people who were ever born from Adam to whoever will be born from now to eternity shall no longer be slaves. He proclaimed it in his death and in his resurrection, he ensured it. He made it legal. And now it is illegal. Satan has no legal right to enslave anyone anymore. And yet, we live a life where many are still his slaves. And so, we must continue to fight the fight of freedom and proclaim this truth that Christ came to set the captives free. You no longer need to be anyone's slave anymore. Jesus has come to set you free from being a slave even to your body, your flesh, yourself. But, you must be willing to die. That's the only way you are set free. What? Now that's a, that's a strange one. Or have you heard it before? That the only way to be set free is through dying to yourself. When you die to your old man who has enslaved you to sin and you experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in the inner man, that inner spirit now is set free to rule over your flesh. No longer is your inner man a slave to your outer man with its appetites, with its desires of sin and anger and, and lust and pride, no longer. You can be set free from that when your inner man is renewed by the power of Jesus Christ, is risen up and begins to take authority over your flesh. There was an amazing thing when Jesus walked on the earth, that had never happened before in the history of the human race. Since Adam and Eve had sinned and became slaves to sin, there had never lived a person and walked on the earth that was not a slave to themselves, to the flesh, until Jesus was born. Jesus was born not of the flesh, not of the will of man, but by the Spirit of God. And as he grew into manhood, his spirit was the only spirit on all of earth who was not a slave to sin. Can you imagine the reality of Jesus walking on the earth as a 12-year-old boy, understanding that he was the only person in the world that was free? free indeed from sin. The devil knew it. And he tried desperately 
to enslave him. But he didn't sin. Not even once. Because he was not the slave to sin. He was the son of God. And he was not a slave. That was the difference. So he didn't act like a slave. He didn't think like a slave. And he didn't do the things slaves do. You see a strange phenomenon happens. Slaves, when they know they're slaves, act like slaves. They willingly act like slaves. You say, ah, that's who I am. Master says, do this, I go do it. Do that, I'll do it. Don't talk back to me, I won't talk back to you. I just act like a slave because that's who I am. But Jesus was not a slave. And then when Jesus died, that's what happened. The emancipation of proclamation was made and all men were able to be set free legally. They were no longer slaves or needed to be slaves. But now you and I personally need to experience the freedom from being a slave to sin. And I just want to say to you this morning, you can be set free because Jesus has come to set us free. You no longer need to be a slave to fear, to anger, to pride. You are set free to forgive 490 times a day, to love those who are your enemies. You are set free from the bondage of your own lust of pride and selfishness. You're set free from all of that if you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you die to that and you allow him to make you a new person in Jesus Christ. And you can walk around a free man, a free person. In Galatians, he speaks of this freedom Chapter 5, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul said, If I become the servant of men, I can no longer be a servant of Christ. We no longer need to serve sin. I was going to do a different lesson, but I felt the Lord leading me to share this instead. Maybe this is for the next time. I want to end with these words to you. Oswald Chambers wrote this word out of the context of Romans chapter 6, verse 4. No one enters into the experience of entire sanctification without going through a white funeral. The burial of the old life. If there has never been this crisis of death, Sanctification is nothing more than a vision. There must be a white funeral, a death that has only one resurrection, a resurrection into the life of Jesus Christ. Nothing can upset such a life. It is one with God for one purpose, to be a witness to Him. Have you come to your last days, really? You've come to them often in sentiment, but have you come to them really? You cannot go to your funeral in excitement 
or die in excitement. Death means that you stop being. Do you agree with God that you stop being the striving, earnest kind of Christian you have been? We skirt the cemetery and all the time refuse to go to death. It is not striving to go to death. It is dying, baptized into his death. Have you had your white funeral? Or are you sacredly playing the fool with your soul? Is there a place in your life marked as the last day? A place to which the memory goes back with a chastened, extraordinary, grateful remembrance. Yes, it was then at that white funeral that I made an agreement with God. You see, the beauty of death is the resurrection. If you just came to die like a dog and be no more, this would be the most depressing message I could give you. But that's not what Jesus did. He didn't stay in the grave. His body's not lying over there in Israel somewhere in a tomb. His body rose from that dead grave. And he ascended up on high. And he ascended on high. And when he did that, he delivered captivity itself. He delivered us from captivity and gave gifts to men, Ephesians chapter 4 tells us. And so there's a resurrection in Jesus Christ. And I want to urge you, my dear friend, if you are, still find yourselves enslaved to certain sins of your flesh. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's you're always boasting that you... You find yourself comparing yourself with someone else and you're always in your thought life or making yourself better than they are. Maybe it's anger, road rage, or anger that somebody took your toy. All these things in life are just toys, by the way. That's all they are. One day we'll grow them when we rise. And we'll see that they were just plastic toys. Maybe fiberglass. If you find yourself still enslaved, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come, eat his words of eternal life and believe that he has come to set you free today and be your white friend rope. And die to that self-life that you've been living or nursing or limping along with, that you've just been dealing with. You know, it's just who I am. That's not who you need to be. That's not who you were created to be. You were created to be predestined to be conformed into his image, Romans 8 tells us. Not to be a slave to sin any longer. Today is the proclamation of emancipation for you again. Come and be set free. Come in faith and ask Jesus to set you free.